You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Brief, being you are watching a special live edition. I have the privilege of being joined by uh, Tom Thornton of Hedge Fund Telemetry. Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, just uh, another wild week in the market um, and the close here. I don't know what happened, but somebody had their elbow on the buy button and uh, just jammed things higher, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, we were on the call about 10 minutes ago just to prepare because we're going live. And I back then, the, the NASDAQ was up about 0.9%. Uh, we've closed up about 1.3%. So as you say, absolutely uh, roaring into the, the end of the weekend. Uh, uh, Tom, what did you make of the price action today um, as well as over this past week? Well, I, what I've been seeing over the last two weeks, uh, especially with the NASDAQ, has been uh, a, a series of lower highs happening. And I, I I look at when markets start to correct or get a little choppy on the downside, I like to use the 60 minute time frame uh, looking at charts. And, and you can really see where the they get whacked down and then, you know, the dip buyers come in and then they get disappointed and, and have to sell. And we, we just carry this this pattern. Uh, I think it's just a bit of a rotation. We had small caps and the reopening uh, uh, stocks just got murdered in midweek, and then they just came roaring back. And so I think there's a lot of liquidity in the market. There's a lot of hope and dip buyers uh, willing to put money to work. And so, you know, my view right now is that the market is starting to see some distribution, and we're seeing it uh, with a lot of the technical indicators that, that we use. When you say distribution, do you mean breadth in that uh, a broad amount of stocks are participating in the rally? Well, we're, we're starting to see the momentum shift a little bit where we're seeing some, I mean, just very simply of uh, the percentage of stocks within ETFs or markets above the 10-day moving average, above the 20-day moving average. Those are starting to turn red. Uh, I, that might be just a, a function of those moving averages of flattening. Uh, but sometimes when they flatten, they go down as well. And the, a lot of things in the NASDAQ have already started to roll over. The 50-day moving average has started to roll over 20 days across the 50-day. Um, you know, I think that it's some of it could be, you know, headed into the uh, end of the quarter uh, position squaring. Uh, you know, today was pretty extraordinary because we were watching a, a list of about 12 stocks that were just getting liquidated. And I, when I say liquidated, uh, Viacom was just cut in half in two days. And, uh, you know, just Discovery and uh, some of the, the Chinese names. And I have some speculation of who it might be. Uh, there could be a big fund. There might, I've heard a Tiger Cub fund, perhaps. No, no guarantees or, you know, confirmations that I, I know any of the, the players in this, but it could be SoftBank. You know, they've had some liquidity issues uh, and they 
also, you know, the thing that kind of makes me think it's SoftBank is if you look at the tech stocks from last summer and they were just on this parabolic move up and every sell signal that I got just failed immediately. And then they just sort of gave up and stopped. And that's sort of the same pattern. If you look at Viacom and Discovery and a few of these others that are mentioned as those liquidated, uh, those look kind of like the same trader was buying them. And, you know, that that's, you know, that's kind of my speculation that could be SoftBank. I mean, we may never know, we may know, but SoftBank also, it was confirmed that uh, they are under SEC investigation for their trading last year in the gamma squeeze. So I don't know who it is, but, you know, we'll see, um, we'll see in the coming weeks who, um, who sold 33, you know, million shares of discovery. And, and the thing that's crazy about this, it's not just like a top, you know, 10 holder. Some of these funds that have been mentioned aren't even in the top 10. And maybe some of it is traded on swap through a large broker like Nomura or, or Morgan Stanley. So it's kind of, they're kind of hidden uh, who owns them. But whoever was selling them, that's like the number one or two largest holder of the stock. Uh, and, and that to me says that they jammed these things up and they just got forced liquidation here today. It's just, it, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, just for the, the context of everyone watching, there was a pretty significant market event today. Tom, Tom, you and I were actually on the phone preparing for this earlier this morning and you just got a, a Bloomberg alert or something. You said, wow, there is this huge market event. People, uh, you know, a big fund uh, liquidated a large percent or perhaps their entire position in Viacom, Discovery, Shopify, Baidu, and, and those stocks uh, expectedly had a rough day. Uh, Tom, what does it mean to you when a fund uh, ha has a forced liquidation? What's the significance of it? And, and you know, what are the mechanics? How, uh, if you were a fund manager and you, had to, uh, you were forced to sell, why would you be forced to sell? Well, I, I actually know about a, a forced liquidation um, personally. But uh, that actually was over a month. But something happened here. Something snapped, and maybe uh, this fund had, you know, the wrong trade with the recent bond market collapse. I don't know. They may have had some European entity go bankrupt, and they were, you know, in the whole four hundred million dollars. There's a lot of people out there that use leverage and a lot of funds use leverage. And I'm rarely seeing uh, forced liquidations of when leverage isn't involved. So I am assuming whoever it was, was levered to the gills and they got a tap and said, we've got to just exit. And they called up Goldman Sachs today and said, hi, uh, would you mind doing a trade for me? Uh, 12 of them. And it's probably about 200 million shares. So um, that is probably it. And they might, you know, having it be one day or it, it might have started the last couple of days because those some of those stocks had already started to move down. Uh, it just got to the point like get out by February or excuse me, uh, Friday at at the at the close. So that's what happened today. And it became very evident that uh, these stocks were under fire. Now, I, I actually I bought some of those stocks. I bought Discovery and Viacom uh, market on close orders just 
you know, to play the cleanup trade, because if this large seller is gone, uh, we could see a relief rally in these names over, you know, the next week. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy to do that. I've, I've done a lot of those over the years. Yeah, buying the dip, it's it's not just a slogan. Uh, you uh, exerted that, that trade, and I'm interested to see how that played out. Tom, it's important to, for people to know, you know, everyone knows is familiar with the phrase a short squeeze because of GameStop when you, you're forced to buy back, uh, when you use leverage, when you short something. But as you mentioned to me on the phone today, there's, there's also something called a long squeeze when you buy on margin and you have, you're you have forced to liquidate. And it sounds like that's exactly what happened today. Well, it's, it's, it's also, there's another dynamic to it. So a short squeeze is a very heavily shorted stock. Uh, and when it, there's good news or the stock starts moving up, like GameStop, uh, the shorts have to cover and it just creates another source of buying. Now on a, on a long squeeze, uh, which we've seen, I, I think we saw one of the biggest long squeezes uh, ever back last March. Uh, it was because nobody was really short airlines. Nobody was really short of uh, the, the cruise lines and the, the retailers. The short interest on those were actually very low uh, until they got to the very bottom and then, you know, shorts started started shorting them at the wrong time. But if you don't have that natural buyer as a short cover, uh, you're going to have a deeper pullback on on things, and and that's exactly what I like to look for um, in a in a stock where the shorts have just given up or they just don't have the confidence to short them. And a lot of them last year were value stocks, and people just had given up on 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 trying to short those. And now, now um, I, I I mean I think there's some 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 long squeezes out there. Um, I mean, nobody was really short Viacom or Discovery. It's not a heavily shorted name. Uh, maybe they they were a little bit um, in the last week, but um, you know, it's it's a value stock. Tom, a few minutes ago, you mentioned uh, the Fang stocks, the big tech, the mega cap stocks, and how they were surging early on in the pandemic. But over the past six <clears throat> months or so, they've pretty much been trapped in a range, and some of them even down. So they sort of passed the baton onto the small cap stocks, um, as well as the uh, you know Uber growth stocks, as well as SPACs. But now all of those uh, trades are, are sort of fading. And I think even over the past, let's say, 20 days or so, I think the the uh, the Russell 2000 you know small cap stocks is actually uh, uh, down or you know not up. Um, where do you see this going forward, Tom, in terms of sector rotation? Because I, I know you've been on Real Vision uh, earlier this year talking about. Inflationary fears that could be a you know could could rattle uh, high growth stocks like Tesla like, like DocuSign and you've been proved largely right you were you were interested in reopening stocks like energy but I understand now that you've gone out of energy so tell me about you know where's the baton in terms of leadership where's the baton going to be passed to next in terms of sector rotation okay there's a lot to unpack there um, so I I thought that the parabolic move in tech these mega cap stocks uh, could just cool off and they have and they haven't really done much they're fun to trade in little ranges uh, but they haven't really done much and even when they reported earnings they they really didn't get the bang you know on the upside and a lot of semis as well and i i, I was speaking to an uh technology portfolio manager in asia the other day and he's like i just can't believe that nvidia just had such a great number the stock went down and I'm like, well, you know, it's crowded. So I wouldn't be shocked to see tech uh, take a breather. Uh, and it, it 
you know, we have earnings coming up and I think the comps are going to be um, in the next couple quarters uh, tough for them because they really did well with the stay at home trade. So we'll see what happens there. But as far as with Russell, uh, you know, the Russell really was you have, it's littered with a lot of, you know, value names and regional banks and tons of energy and materials and and retailers and, and stuff that a lot of stuff that doesn't make they don't make a lot of money or they're actually zombies. But still, the, I liked energy back in September and October and I got mega long and I was on Real Vision with, with Ash and saying, yeah, I, I love it because I think Joe Biden's going to be president and I think he's going to be the best thing that could ever happen for energy. And everybody was like, wait, what? You know, and, but everybody thought that with Trump and then Trump said, let's drill, drill, drill. And, you know, what happened is you had too much supply. And now I think Biden's putting some uh, clamps on the, the drilling activities, and I think that the supply-demand uh, picture uh, will, will work out well for the bull. So I, I did sell uh, all my energy stocks uh, recently. I'm fortuitous. I sold it like right before the day before the peak, and the next day I thought, oh crap, I, I think I sold too early. But I just want to buy. I just want looking for buy uh, places to buy them back. I think there, there's still a lot of juice there. Uh, they're a terrific reopening play, uh, an inflation play. And I also like financials. And I, I'm also hoping that we'll get a pullback. We haven't had a pullback enough. So I'm basically on the sidelines with those. I did buy consumer staples today. And as far as a rotation trade, uh, consumer staples always seem to gravitate towards the top of my list. Uh, when markets get a little dicey or I see some liquidation or um, distribution uh, because I think they're very dependable. They're very dependable earning type stocks. Procter and Gamble, uh, Walmart, Coke, Pepsi, uh, a few others I bought today and I bought the XLP uh, consumer stables ETF. I, I think those are just pretty much hiding places. They've had a little bit of a run so far and I think there's still a little bit more they can do. So I'm not looking for them to, you know, be this giant outperformer, but I'm I'm looking for places to park money and get a decent return. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. The fact that you, as you say, you're looking to hide your money, park your money, uh, that sounds like there's perhaps something dangerous out, out there in the market. If you were very constructive on the whole market, I'm going to guess you probably wouldn't have to hide. Uh, tell me about that. Why, why do you have to hide? You know, I, I tend to get accused of being too bearish, um, but I tend to pick my spots and I buy when things are oversold and market sentiment gets to levels that are overdone. And back in March, I was on Real Vision and a couple other shows and I was telling people I'm buying like crazy. I covered all my shorts and people looked at me like I was just nuts. You know, unfortunately, and I'll, I'll admit, I had some great gains and I took gains too soon and I just want to like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about it, but I, it, you know, we all do that. It's, it's you, you do what you can at the exact moment with the data that you have. 
Uh, so, yeah, in hindsight, I didn't think the S&P would be near 4,000. I didn't really think it would be at 3,000. I'm not really good with pandemics and trading pandemics, but because um, now we know by every pandemic. Um, but, uh, so, so right now, yes, I'm hiding in consumer staples. I have a little gold exposure. I'm not a gold bull or bear. I just I think I'm, I'm there little silver exposure um, slightly positive in this in those right now I think the dollar can continue higher which I was telling Ash last time I thought the dollar was going higher he looked at me like oh, we got to end this call but um, I don't well, have any Bitcoin right about that. I don't have any Bitcoin exposure um, I you know it's just not something I trade uh, I do look at it I on hedge fund telemetry I, I give opinions of which you know buy and sell places and Back when it was at 3,000, I had DeMarc buy signal, and I told people, and they were like, you know, what? Nobody really cared. And, um, you know, now here it is, um, 50,000. It's uh, pretty amazing. It's something to behold, Tom. Uh, you've, you've mentioned that there's sort of two battlegrounds in the market. One is with regards to the size of stocks, so mega cap stocks versus small cap stocks. I think we've covered that already. But mm -hmm. another lens through which you look at the market, another battleground is reopening stocks versus stay-at-home stocks. Uh, tell me, how are you seeing that battle evolve? Okay. Uh, the stay-at-home stocks, we all know, the Zooms, the uh, the tech companies, the I mean, Netflix, Roku, uh, you know, we watched all those do exceptionally well. And even the, uh, and the, and the, the reopening stocks are, you have energy, you have retail, you have cruise lines, you have uh, airlines, uh, financials are in there as well. And uh, I'm looking at my Goldman Sachs thing here, hold on. So the Goldman Sachs basket of stay at home uh, was up 1.3% um, today and reopening was a little better at 1.7%. Uh, so those, um, you know, the, everything went up today it seems, but uh, those have been, you know, you know, teeter tottering uh, around, um, of, of, you know, what's what's working, uh, and and I think that the the, you know, it's it's almost too obvious that there's going to be a reopening, and and I've it's, the problem I have is a lot of these stocks have already moved so much that they're pricing in, just an unbelievable recovery, and you know I look at Disney. Disney's a great company. I love Disney. Uh, been long. I've been short. I've, I'm short currently. But the movie theaters aren't going to really have full capacity for quite a while. I'm looking forward to going to movies, by the way. And then Disneyland and Disney World and all the theme parks. I, I think Disneyland, they were talking 15% capacity. And then maybe 25%. And this is like towards the end of April. It's a perfect time to go if you can get tickets. Uh, going... 25% capacity would be just amazing, a great experience, but it's going to cost a lot for them to reopen and run those parks again. I mean, they haven't really had the CapEx uh, to, to, to pay all the people and to run the, 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 the parks. And I, I think that those, like Disney is ahead of itself. And it's, it's clearly, I think, 30% higher than it, its peak back in January of 2020. Uh, so I, I think, if anything, there's a lot of stocks out there that are just 
it priced it in right now. And the airlines, cruise lines, perhaps. Um, I mean, TripAdvisor is up, I think, 50% higher than where it was in January of 2020. Yeah, everybody's going to want to travel. I'm taking three. I have three trips planned. Uh, so, you know, we'll see um, how far those go. But I think there's a little bit of a, uh, there's still a little bit of a trade there. If those back off, I'll buy them. Mm -hmm. uh, Tom, uh, you mentioned that you have three trips planned. By any chance, are any of them to Miami, where I understand that things are heating up uh, a lot? I'm not going to Miami. Um, it, it, everybody, I, you know, I live in Greenwich, Connecticut, and I have a lot of people that, that and, and friends in New York that, well, I'm, you know, I'm in Palm Beach and I'm moving to Miami, and, you know, they're just giving up. Um, I, now I'm going to Dallas visit my daughter at SMU in Los Angeles to see some uh, friends and clients. And then what's my next one? Oh, Charleston to see another daughter. So I, I, you know, they're just subtle little trips, but not Miami. And boy, what a mess with was spring break um, last week. And I, yeah, <laughs> that was, <laughs> that was really something else to see in those videos. Yeah, it, it really was. And it, it makes me think, you know, some in the market are just foaming at the mouth bullish for reopening stocks um, um, like Disney, like airlines and others are more cautious. It sounds like you're more in that second camp. Uh, but but Tommy, on the topic of Disney, that just makes me think that it, it kind of is neither fish nor fowl because now it's a reopening stock because it has Disneyland and the like. But during the pandemic, uh, investors who were who were bulls could say, oh, actually, it's a stay at home stock because of Disney Plus. Uh, how are you thinking about those stocks that don't really fit uh, in, in either category? And, you know, it can't be sort of put in, the, in those boxes, like it's easy to put a, a cruise line or, or, you know, another stock. Well, one thing about Disney, and I, I used to be a media trader as well, way back when, in my hedge fund, uh, the stock's not cheap right here. It's, it, there's times where Disney's really a good value, and then there's times where it's very expensive. So it's expensive right now. Uh, yeah, Disney Plus, uh, their subscriber numbers were great. I actually got Disney Plus because I'm on Verizon Fios and they gave it to me for free. So I count as a subscriber. Uh, so, I, you know, I think they're, they're, you know, it was a big ramp up. Um, we'll see how well it does. I'm sure it'll do fine, but the subscriber growth will probably moderate somewhat as well. Um, so go, sorry, I went back to Disney, but what were you saying, uh, Jack? Oh, well, well, actually, I... So you mentioned that you were you were a media trader. I just actually think that that shows your competence and skill as a trader, because you know, as someone who works in the media, the media typically a, a tough tough business uh, to be in. Um, uh, but moving moving on, Tom, uh, let's talk about bonds. Um, the, the ten year as the ten year has been rising, that's been putting a lot of pressure on these growthy names. Um, Tesla comes to mind. Tesla was down today as the, the ten year. Uh, gapped up about two basis points to I think 1.66, and Tesla was down about three four percent. Um, how are you thinking? Uh, you know, will bond will rising bond yields continue to rattle uh, technology stocks? What's your outlook? My outlook on bonds has been um, that they are for sale. Um, I've been uh, bearish on bonds. I've thought yields would continue to go up. They reached um, about 1.75 on the 10-year which was one of my targets. It's backed off a little bit, and perhaps that's a little bit of the, maybe there's a little risk off uh, with equities that caused the, the bonds to rally uh, for a few days. 
you know, yields are going to go higher because inflation is going higher. And you have so many different things that are going to be negative for bonds. Uh, first of all, you have a lot of people that are crowded into bonds. And a lot of people have never seen a bond market uh, a correction or, or you know, a, a crash. I mean, I'm not sure if we're going to get a crash because that's that would take a rate of change that would be you know pretty extraordinary. But corporate bonds, the investment grade corporate bonds are down. I think total return is down four percent year to date, and that's like one of the worst returns for investment grade. You also have like really strong companies like Apple and Google and things with longer duration, solid companies trading their bonds are trading in the 80s. Um, you know, you have a lot of things that are happening right now. You've got the giant $1.9 trillion stimulus. That's, you know, filtering into the, the world. You've got the reopening um, that's going to be a natural uh, push for demand. Uh, you've got the, the Fed that continues to on their same path, uh, which they have no seemingly concerned for higher yields at this point. And I think that's they, they may want to temper the equity markets by allowing yields to go higher um, because that will put pressure on the high growth names. So, you know, the thing that, thing that kind of makes me nuts is, is the Fed will take credit for all these jobs that are going to be created. But this is really just the people going back to their old jobs as things reopen. So, you know, when I hear a politician or the, the Fed people say, you know, we're creating jobs, I, I, I think they're just, it's, it's, they're taking too much credit for themselves because these are just, it's not like, well, we've got these new, you know, great new jobs for people that are paying more. It, it, they're going back to their same old jobs and same careers. And so that's good, obviously. I'm happy, you know, to see that, that occurring. But that's going to be inflationary. And we really haven't seen inflation in, you know, many decades that could get out of control. And I think the Fed will have to take some step, and whether it's by doing, you know, an operation twist or trying to, you know, keep the, the, the short end of the curve, you know, the short end bonds, you know, yields lower. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen, but I, I do think we're going to see two uh, percent on the ten-year, and even more concerning is the longer-duration bonds on the thirty-year. Because if if you have, let's say, a twenty-five base, I'm sort of going off the top of my head. If you have a twenty-five basis point uh, backup in yields, uh, higher yields, uh, that is like a four percent uh, total return decline on your 30 year bond and when you're getting, you know, 2% or if you, for someone that bought a 30 year bond under 1%, uh, it's a terrible return. Um, but if you go up a hundred basis points, that's like 21% decline. Now keep in mind, everybody levers themselves and we've talked about leverage and leverage is, you know, great when it's going in your direction, but if it goes in the wrong direction, it could get ugly. It could, the rate of change in, in yields could really um, it could really surprise some people. So right now we're we're still pretty you know we're cool everything's fine, but 
that's a risk and I'm watching for that risk. And if it happens, it happens. If it, if it, if it doesn't, I still think yields are going to go higher and, and it will hurt the growthy names. It will hurt the Russell names that, that borrow to continue to, you know, roll their debt. Um, and you know, the thing is also higher inflation is going to be higher input costs for these companies. So if you have higher material costs, um, from whether copper, steel, or any other commodity, those companies are going to have lower margins because they've got to pay more for their um, their product. Now, close to home, uh, I my wife is an interior designer, and she's busy as all hell because everybody's moving to Connecticut from New York. And she was telling me the other day, and she's so non-market, um, complete opposite of me and you know, <laughs> and and by the way, uh, just so everybody knows, my office, she, she has two offices here, and I took one office. So as you see behind me, it's designed by uh, Leanne Thornton. But she was telling me that, that some of her contractors and jobs that are redoing houses, lumber is incredibly hard to get. It's not just expensive. It's hard to get. So I think that's going to be you know, a situation that other commodities could have that same problem or it's hard to get. The other thing is energy goes up, crude prices go up and, and you know, it's $60. I think it's kind of a, a an okay price. It's not going to cause uh, too many concerns, but if, it, if that goes up, that's going to be like a tax on the consumer and that's going to be difficult for airlines. Uh, you know, they hedge things, but still higher cost of crude and fuel uh, will make it difficult for them. And they're, you know, and those stocks are trading like, you know, like they've never traded this well before. So I think there's a, there's a lot of risk out there and it's probably going to happen maybe six months from now uh, after the reopening and after things start to come back to normal. I mean, remember coming back to normal, we're going to be back to uh, a place where uh, people are going to be a little bit more sensitive looking at earnings, looking at valuations, and you may get less stimulus uh, boost. So we'll, we'll see. I think going back to normal is going to be a theme for me in the, you know, what I'm looking at uh, six to nine months, a year from now. Yeah, that, that's such yeah, a good that, point. But yeah, that's such a good point, Tom. It's, it's very hard to trade stocks when you are going into an office uh, nine to five or, or nine to six. But going back to what you said earlier about the Fed, you know, the Fed has said that they are really not concerned about rising bond yields. They're not going to do an operation twist, as you said, which is, by the way, for people at home, when the Fed sort of uh, switches its purchases to buy more long-term bonds in order to uh, uh, restrict the, the steepening of the yield curve. Or, and they're not going to do yield curve control, which is a more dramatic way of covering the yield curve control. Tommy, Tommy let's say that, uh, let's take the Fed at its word, and the 10-year rises of above 2%, and the long bonds uh, rise as well. Just paint me a picture of, of how violent you think it could be for some of these growthy names, which have you know wobbled quite significantly over the past month or so. Well, you know, you, I mean, I, I I seriously think that it's just going to be the best case scenario could be just they go sideways. The worst case scenario is we get something like a twenty percent correction. Now that that would probably take us back to what November or I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but it it certainly would wake some people up, and you know we'll we'll see if we get there. Uh, you know we could, we could be in for something more. I mean, inflation is a very dangerous thing for uh, the markets, and I just don't think people quite 
understand the implications of that. I mean, people want inflation. They want to, you know, inflate stuff, and it moves things in the upward direction. And if you're long commodities or certain, you know, assets like that, it it's great, but it can also be difficult if you are that contractor looking to buy lumber, uh, and that could be eating into your you know, what, what you're making or, you know, builder, I mean, these builders are buying, they're, they're building so much, um, because there's a housing boom, their input costs are going to go skyrocketing. And it's just, it'll be interesting to see if they can pass that along to the consumer. Yeah, Tom, I want Tom, to, I want to, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm oh, here sorry. a little echo. So, uh, Tom, oh, I want to zoom in a little bit on a particular stock that is the epitome of a growthy stock, of somewhat of a meme stock. It's it's Tesla. It's retreated from its highs that it was at earlier in the year. I understand you've been eyeing this as a long time, uh, eyeing this stock as a, for a long time as something that could is overvalued and could decrease. But at the same time, you've been very cautious because you, you understand risk management um, and, and you understand that you know this is a, a, a meme stock that people believe in very greatly. Uh, what can you tell me about the Tesla? What, how, how are, what are your views right now? Okay, so my background is that um, actually the first time I was on Real Vision, I didn't even know I was going to be on Real Vision. Um, I had never been on camera before. I did an interview with Mark Spiegel, who's the biggest, craziest, and one of the nicest uh, short sellers of Tesla. I mean, he's, he's like a stand-up comedian. But anyway... Um, it, it is by far the craziest stock I've ever seen in my life. And I, you know, I am a car enthusiast. I'm also, you know, I also look at valuation. So I, it's people that love Tesla and are buying Tesla believe in this mission. And I love EVs. I think it's a great thing. Uh, I can't wait to get one. Uh, but the stock doesn't make any sense from a valuation point of view. And last year, uh, I, I was I was short the stock in March, and I, I did put out a note saying, you know, I'm not covering mine, but if you want to cover it, it's at the 200-day moving average. And I probably should have covered it because it doubled. And my, my size was not awful. It, it caused me to, you know, fold up shop, but I, I basically covered it at 200, and now it's at 600. So I've Recently, I started shorting it at 400, and then they got added to the S&P, and I added some on the S&P, and then the, the ad, and then I added more so. And I, I basically have nearly a 5% position in this, and my average is a little higher than this. I trade options in this thing all the time, and it's, there's a, it's a comedy show with those as well. But uh, I think the stock's coming into a bit of a reality check and nothing motivates sellers uh, more than lower prices. So you're starting to lose some sponsorship from the meme guys that were so excited about it. And it's, it, it still hasn't hit the, you know, the uncle point for a lot of sellers. But I, I also do think that you have some large pe uh, people in the, the long-term um, uh, holders of the stock, uh, Ron, Ron um, Baron sold some, and uh, you know you probably have a lot more that'll be interesting to see after this last uh, the reporting, the 13F reporting, which I do on 
hedge fund telemetry as well. But uh, bottom line is, I think that the stock's been under pressure. It's uh, it's not hitting new highs. It's it's I think it was off forty percent uh, recently, and it's now down I think about thirty percent off the highs. And the longer this fails to move in the direction for the bulls, I think that uh, it's going to just cause more um, uh, strife. Now, there's a couple things happening with Tesla too that I think uh, is important. You know, they were profitable because of the emissions credits that they've been able to get and it's 100% margin for them. So their earnings look like they look great. Uh, but if you take those out, uh, they haven't been profitable. So it's a make or break time for them because their emissions credits that they've had are going to start to decrease and probably go away this year. And the other thing is, I don't think their demand is that good. And I posted in, on Twitter a chart the other day of uh, Tesla uh, year over year um, sales or registrations in Europe versus uh, Volkswagen, Renault and uh, Hyundai and Kia. And those companies are really ramping up deliveries. And Tesla is actually down year over year. And I think that it's it's also important to know that the Tesla's, uh, it'll be interesting to see in the next week when they report their quarterly delivery number, if this um, is, is a difficult thing. Because there's also a semiconductor shortage. And that's going to affect all automakers, including Tesla. And so you really can't get around that. And you know maybe the market will give them a, 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 a pass on that. But I think that reality is starting to kick in. Now, full self-driving is something. There's a video going around. Um, I can't say the name of the, the, it was the BS. Um, I don't know what, the, what the, the person who put it on. But it was basically a, a video of... Elon Musk talking about full self-driving, autonomy, and all these promises that he's made that really haven't come to fruition yet. And now, I've driven a Tesla, I've driven with the full self-driving or the autonomy that they have. It's level two, it's not level five. And level five is full autonomy, and that's where the market is, you know, the, or people, Tesla, that bought this for $10,000, they want that. And they're starting to get antsy. So I was on the Tesla Reddit boards and, you know, serious people are saying, you know, we really want this. And I'm worried, or they were saying they're worried because they feel like Tesla could have a class action suit or regulators could say, you know, this isn't ready for prime time. You're beta testing this in the open, you know, open roads. And there's tons of videos of it, you know, not working properly or moving in the wrong lane and it's just extraordinary. But, you know, I was saying that I just, I worry that there's, you're gonna see some like tragic accident that's gonna finally wake up uh, regulators to say, hey, this is level two, this is not level five. They're advertising it as full self-driving. People are paying for it, that it's not there yet. It's not, there's no robo taxis. There's no robo-taxis that are going to happen in 2021, maybe not even for the next couple of years. That's my prediction. Um, you know, Josh, let's see where uh, we there, are. There is, so, there is so much there to unpack, and it is so fascinating. I, I feel like we could, we could talk about this for hours. Uh, but, but really quick, as we, as we approach to a close, 
Uh, could, you mentioned hedge fund telemetry, your your research service, uh, which you know I've been using as I was preparing for this interview. Um, can, I understand that you actually have a, a special offer for Real Vision members. Uh, can you tell them a little bit about that? You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Okay. Um, for the first year, um, it's our first year is, well, actually, it's $7.50 a year for the subscription. Um, if you use the code STONKS, you know the word, uh, talking meme stocks, STONKS, um, in the coupon code, you'll get 250 off and it'll be 500 for the first year. And we, I, I will tell you right now, my site is really crappy. I, I, I'm, I have a whole new programming team rebuilding it. Uh, so in May, we're relaunching. Um, I, I say that because I'm totally honest. I, I, I am embarrassed because of it. So it's going to look great. Um, but it's, you know, the, the research that I put out every day, a daily note, put out a morning call. Uh, we've got lots of other things that were in the works. So I think it's worth it. You know, I'd pay for it. Yeah. Uh, I use it. Tom, I use you, my, I, you know, I eat my own food. You, you are honest to a fault talking about your website. I actually read your website. I, I thought it was fine, but I personally can vouch for your research. I, I, the quality of your research is, is, is incredibly uh, good. And I personally really like your style of looking at fundamentals, at sentiment, at market positioning, um, but also technicals, but not necessarily being dominated and having one, one of your, uh, you know, one of those factors dominate, dominate your thinking. So um, I, I really recommend it. And uh, I don't think it's there yet, but as soon as this is over, we will put a link um, to, to hedge fund telemetry in the description. Uh, Tommy, I, I, we got to talk, um, we are we're running a little bit over time, but we got to just really quickly talk about Tesla because you were just on fire a, a few minutes ago when you were talking about that. Oh my God, there's the, there's the self-driving thing. There's the emissions credits, the fact that it wouldn't have been included in the S&P 500 if it uh, didn't have those four straight quarters of profits, which it got from the emissions credits. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, tell, tell people a little just about that video because you know, I saw it today. It, it really was shocking that Elon Musk has been, you know, the world's richest man. He has been promising self-driving uh, since 2015, maybe 2014. And um, self-driving technology just really isn't there. As you say, it's level two. And you have people who are, they, they think it's level five. They're sleeping in their cars. They're, they're taking naps. They're going in the back seat while this robot that is supposedly super safe is, is driving them around. Uh, just, you know, what, how do you think this ends? Well, I, I'll give you the, the best case scenario is that Elon Musk is a genius and all the promises that he made uh, come to fruition. Uh, that would be, you know, amazing. That would, you know, elevate the entire world. But I don't think it's going to happen. Or I don't think it's going to happen within the time frame that, that he's talked about. I think the arc of new price target is completely ridiculous. So... Look, I think the worst case scenario is the stock just continues to drift lower and competition is ramping. I think that there's going to be better quality companies. There's tons of Tesla problems. Um, you go online and look at Tesla service issues and it's just it's atrocious. 
So I think there's going to be a competition and people are going to rethink, you know, I want an EV, but I don't have to buy a Tesla, so maybe I'll buy the Ford Mach-E. Uh, one thing about uh, Ark and Kathy Wood, um, I was telling you this earlier, but their, their report that they put out just had tons of, you know, assumptions and crazy things that, um, you know, valuation for their insurance company that doesn't really exist and crazy stuff. But all their old reports and calling for a $4,000 price target, which I thought was completely insane. And it really is. But she was right. So the way I look at it is um, she hit a hole in one, but she shanked it off of a tree on a cart path and into the hole. Now, it's a hole in one and you're going to mark one on your, your scorecard, uh, but it's the ugliest shot ever. And, you know, God bless her. She's done so well. And um, I think some of that good stuff that she's been able to accomplish, she's you know, had her inflows up 10x in the last year. Uh, you know, she's used to buying these little liquid names and Teslas and things that just go skyrocketing up and, and they've worked. But now you have like, she was, you know, maneuvering a PT boat and now she's got an aircraft carrier and it's a little harder to turn that thing around or really get it accelerating. So I think it's going to be a challenge for her. Uh, I'm actually short. Um, the ARC um, fund and and it's working. But I, I, I also think that just like we saw today with the liquidity of one of these big funds out there, uh, she's got a terrible liquidity uh, squeeze that could happen. And that that's a, that's a risk. If I was long that, I would, that would be the first thing I'd be worried about. Are you, you're talking about the fact that they own stocks in illiquid names and they've just gotten so big that they now own 10, 20, 25% of those stocks. That's what you're talking about? Yeah. And and I I can tell you that I've, you know, worked on an institutional, you know, hedge fund trading desk. And we used to calculate days to cover on our shorts and days to liquidate. And she's got a real problem with some of those that are more than 10 days to liquidate if that happens. And the other thing is when I was at a hedge fund, we didn't get redemptions every day or potential redemptions. Um, so we weren't really at, at risk of that, but she could just, it's an ETF. Someone could just say, I've had enough, I'm out, and they're gone. As well, even worse is that she publishes all of her uh, positions updated every night. Now, I guess I didn't know this because it's an, I didn't, I learned this, but uh, it's an active ETF. so you have to publish all your positions every night. I mean, that's like the worst case scenario because if you know, if people see that you're selling Tesla, they're gonna pounce on it or sell it if they're long with you. And I think that's just, you know, it's just, ugh, I, I mean, I think it's, you know, it's amazing. She's promoted herself and now is 10X um, in assets, but it's, it's you know, it's it, she runs a risk. Absolutely. Uh, Tommy, this has been absolutely fascinating discuss, discussing with you, but we're, we're going to have to leave it there. Uh, thank you so much I know, for it's joining Friday. me. It's here. I feel yeah. like Ferris Bueller. Hey, go home. Everyone, what are you doing <laughs> here? Go yeah, home. Maybe the market closes, the market closes at 4 p.m. Uh, you know, markets never sleep, but they do take a nap at that 4 p.m. You know, um, and uh, you know, I think they, they want to 
get a little uh, uh, entertainment, a little analysis from uh, you know one of the best researchers in, I think, who's in the game, and that is you, Tommy. So uh, people at home, um, if you're watching this on YouTube, please uh, smash that like and subscribe button so we can grow the Daily Briefing channel. Um, that's my request number one. My second request is check out Tom Thornton at Hedge Fund Telemetry. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Jack. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.